0: So welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, to the first episode of uh, what we're calling Game Ampersand Watch. Uh, This is a show for those who love games so much that they design their life around them. And uh, that's, I think, something that we have all done to some extent. Uh, We being the people I'm joined by, I am uh, Dr. Mitchell McEwen, I am your host on this uh, evening in Brisbane. And, uh, I'm joined by, uh, Dr. Zach Fitzwalter, uh, uh Dr. Madison Klarkowski and very, very, very soon to be Dr. Cody Phillips. But not a
1: doctor. Uh, definitely missed
0: her. Uh, we're, we're, we're like a couple of months out from that maybe. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Don't take this power from me.
0: <laughs> uh, so welcome guys. Thanks for being here. Uh, so yeah, just wanted to kind of get together. We talk about uh, games ad hoc in our lives. We uh, were all kind of alumni of the Games Research and Interaction Design Lab at QUT, um, and some of us are still there, and some of us are moving on to other projects, and um, yeah, just thought we'd get back together and um, talk about games for a bit, and I, sp- I thought especially the end of the year was a good opportunity um to look back on what has just happened um and uh yeah we'll see maybe think about what's to come as well um so i thought we'd just start with introductions uh so just kind of saying hey and uh you know what you do in terms of uh, either your research or your design um around games um to the extent that you've kind of designed your life around games uh so i'll kick us off uh so I uh, did a Masters of IT in Games Design, which led me to do a PhD thesis on control interfaces for games and how different types of control interfaces uh, impact the, the player experience or the psychology of play of video games, uh, and how different control interfaces are uh, more or less intuitive for different people as well. Um, and so, kind of, my research areas are intuitive interaction and the player experience. Uh, but I've also been associated with some research projects, uh, I guess more in the serious games area, and uh, really more focused on interaction design for children. Um, so that's that's kind of been the areas that I've explored thus far in my very early academic career. Uh, Zach, did you want to uh, give an introduction?
2: Yeah, sure Thanks. So my name is Zach Fitzwalter, and uh, my love for games spans back years and years, decades now even, I'm that old. But uh, I loved games so much that I I decided to study it as a PhD, Um, but rather than uh, I guess look at games themselves, I looked at how games could be applied to everyday life, uh, which is now known as gamification. So it was basically, I couldn't get enough of regular games, and I decided to bring games into every other aspect of my life. So my research is focusing mainly on gamification.
0: And was that a term when you started? No,
2: it wasn't. I was All calling right. it pervasive persuasive games. Nice. which <laughs> persuasive. It just doesn't have that ring to it, does it? As gamification does. So yeah, It yeah, sounds like a lyric, though. It does. <laughs> yeah,
1: we cool. say it like 10 times fast. And <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't work, it no. Does. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Madison, did you want to jump in with an introduction?
1: Yeah. Um, so I did my PhD uh, in games re- research as well, Um my field was the psychophysiology of the play experience, um, and that was what my thesis was actually titled, pretty much exactly, because I'm very imaginative, um, and that involved using instruments like electroencephalograms, electrocardiograms, that kind of thing, to look at um, people's uh, physiological reactions to gameplay experiences. And trying to connect that back to um, the psychological experience. So, for example, what does flow look like physiologically? What does your heart rate do when you're in flow in a video game? So that was my research, um, and obviously also a long time massive gamer, which is why I decided to study it, which was maybe a bad idea <laughs> in <my laughs> retrospect because that's it's a good hobby in handsom, but your turn.
3: Yeah. So. Uh... <laughs> I'm Cody. Um, My PhD is roughly on video game rewards and the way that um, people can be motivated through sort of reward related um, interactions in games. And yeah, my my interest in sort of games has been spanning back for quite a long time because I've been modding games since I was about 13, so that's 16 years now. And yeah, I've just Ever since I started seeing people reacting to my mods, I've been interested in just why and how I can get more of those cool reactions from people.
0: Hmm. So what was your first experience with digital or electronic games Like in your life? Can you remember
3: when you first encountered them? My very first? I think um, on my fifth birthday, um, my mum got me an NES. And so I I got Super Mario Bros. 3. And I was, like, from that moment on, I think I played games every day of my life until I was about <laughs> 26. Um, which you would. I mean, if you start with that, like, you're like, oh, my God, this is
0: amazing. You're always chasing that high. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, Zach, how about you? What was your first Ah, uh, so my first
2: uh, foray into the game world was when my granddad went to Thailand. Uh, I don't know for what reason, but came back with a Game Gear, a Sega Game Gear. You know those yes. old... Portable Sega system, battery, six chewing, batteries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, full 32-bit LCD color, but it was beautiful. And uh, he brought back two games: uh, Outron, uh, Out Wrong, Out sorry, mm. Out and a Mahjong game, and they just blew my mind. I mean, mm. it's just at that age. I think it was about six at the time. So same kind of experience. He was like, "This is amazing." Of course, <laughs> Super Mario Brothers Three yeah. is a much better game than Mahjong <laughs> but, Well, I mean, in terms of video game, yeah, but yeah. Mm
0: life. Cool. How about you, Mance? Um,
1: My very first memory was watching my sister play, I can't remember because I was maybe three or four years old, but one of the Mario titles. Um, and I wasn't allowed to play it because it was my sister's game. So I just kind of watched on in envy. Um, but a little while after that, um, my parents got me a Game Boy and that, start so my parents my family traveled around a lot which meant I spent hours and hours and hours in vans and planes and cars so I was pretty much always on my game boy. And then when I was about ten we got a PC and that was GG.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and been a PC gamer since yeah
1: been diehard PC ever since.
0: Yeah cool. Uh so for me uh my mum got me I actually can't remember what was first, but I know that my mum got me a little um, LCD, uh, like monochrome game, like a single game kind of thing, yeah. almost like a, funnily enough, uh, game and watch. Uh, but it was just a shooter game. It was just it was basically like Space Invaders, but it was a little bit more complex with like planes and stuff flying in. Um, but then around the same time as well, my uncle was bringing over an Atari. I assume two thousand six hundred. Uh, my poppy had gotten us a Commodore 64 to play at home. Um, so uh, yeah, I was starting to get inklings from, uh, from all over the place, but that having that first console myself was just amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I guess the first proper console would have been the master system too, after that, that we had actually in our household and started playing games on. So that was my introduction, um, and went back and forth in terms of loyalty between uh, Sega and Nintendo (laughs) in my uh, first 10 or so years before sticking with Nintendo pretty much since then. (laughs) So that kind of leads us nicely into the first topic, uh, which is favorites of all time. Um, We've got some uh, licorice sorts out on the table here, um, so (laughs) that fits well with this as well. Uh, so I thought we'd just start with games, and I realised this is like a really hard topic. We um, we do an introductory subject uh, at QUT called Computer Game Studies, and this is usually something I talk about with my students in the first class. Is, you know, uh, try to name your favourite game, your favourite publisher, whatever, and it always spills out into uh, multiple games, multiple <laughs> developers. They just uh, bring out
1: a list. Yeah, for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: so hard to narrow it down. Um, and I have uh, shamelessly done the same thing here in terms of at least including a few of my favourites um, but uh, who wanted to kick off with that Did anyone have any in mind to start in ter- so I mean across your whole gaming life and that, that's what's so hard about this right and how do you compare generations
3: and different levels of technology and storytelling yeah it's a really difficult question to answer um, I think my life is sort of defined by different games so different periods are basically blocked out with a favorite game that defines these few years. So instead
1: of art, like mm. the blue period, you've got like this is the uh, Super this, Mario period. Yeah, you you generally <laughs> honestly do.
3: There's like the this is the generation of Zeldas where it's, um, uh, Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time like that's mm. very much so a set of my life. So, um, but yeah trying to nail it down to all-time favorite game, I think I probably still land on Ark Survival Evolved, which is pretty recent in the scheme of things. Mm. I think it's actually still in early access or may have just come out of early access. And that's fairly recent, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> so why why that? Um, why does that stand out for you at the
3: moment? Um, I just had a lot of really, really memorable experiences with it and um, just the idea of Um, survival games really appeals to me so probably if it weren't Ark it would be um, Don't Starve Together so just the the idea of surviving against sort of an environment and hostile forces within that environment Mm. has always really really appealed to me it's
0: a great scenario for games that that medium can do better than any other medium I think like to really draw you into that experience and see what your reactions are and Mm. Um, is there any specific, like, me- mechanics in Ark
3: that, you know, kind of highlights that for you? Um, there were some specific mechanics. Uh, I think one of the really interesting things about Ark that differentiated itself from other survival games was just the the way that each dinosaur in the game, uh, you you ride around on dinosaurs, although so it's not in the know, um, is essentially, like, its own sort of vehicle with its own sort of functionality. So you can essentially go from riding through the sky on a giant bird and picking other players off their t-rexes to being on a t-rex and plowing through somebody's front gate and stealing all their stuff and Mm. i think just that diversity made um or really added something to survival games which i think was sort of lacking before it appeared hmm yeah because often survival
0: games are uh, well, defined by or restricted by a lack of autonomy, and that's part of what, like, you know, if we think think of Resident Evil, you know, the lack of control, uh, you know, in the game, you know, the kind of traditional tank controls uh, limits your options and that kind of stuff. So that's so it's interesting that it's actually kind of the freedom of what you can do in in that game.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of the the sort of early survival games also spawned out of Armor Three mods. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that Arc sort of took itself a little bit less seriously than Armor sort of as a more hardcore simulation does. So just adding that freedom to do more interesting things in a survival setting was quite cool. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Madison, do you know... Can, can you call a title
0: out?
1: Uh, I'm going to be like our students. I'll name a couple. But <laughs> I have a few, so that's fine. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, so I think... Probably the most respectable would be Shadow of the Colossus. I mm-hmm. um, absolutely love Sh- it. Pro- it's the only game that I've played through multiple times. Um, and I don't tend to play through things once I finish them, but Shadow of the Colossus is just one of them. It was, I, it, it's just... I don't know. It was just, at its core, an incredibly fun game. And that was like... You know, it had this really awesome mechanic about slaying these colossi. It was really simple. Um, but it was also a really like deep game, not really in terms of narrative, but in terms of meaning. Um, then I also love Red Dead Redemption because mm. you know you're a cowboy. <laughs> 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 totally wrong. No, I love Red Dead Redemption, um, which is possibly influenced also because I love spaghetti westerns. But Red Dead Redemption was just fun. Um, and if, the reason why I'm, I'm keep, keeping on going is because it feels weird that I'm like I'm pretty much only play PC, but I'm listing console titles. But probably my favorite PC game of all time would be Team Fortress Two. So Mm. it's the first game to really get me into multiplayer shooters, which is what I tend to play now.
0: The the perseverance, the the longevity of that game is just incredible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it is finally slowly, it's like a shambling corpse now. (laughs) But um, yeah, Valve really injected a lot of love into it and kept it alive for far longer than you would expect for an online multiplayer shooter. Mm -hmm. I think it was like... When did it release? 2000? It's a
3: while ago. It's
1: like 15 years old or something. Yeah.
2: Which is longer than most multiplayer games.
1: In general. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think a lot of that is just like the timelessness of the art style. Mm. Um, It it doesn't date really in terms of art. Although they've Mm. kind of messed... Like, I remember when they first released the game they said it was really important that we have these unique silhouettes for each character and everything is very unique and they've introduced and sent like 10,000 hats <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of busted now but yeah it was really good when it was still strong
0: So so I have uh, occasionally, I guess because we have such diverse gaming libraries, um, I'll call out my uh, shameful omissions from, uh, from, from my list I haven't mm-hmm. played Ark and I haven't Played uh, Shadow of the Colossus either. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited for the upcoming PS4 remake mm. um, that they're doing. But my understanding of it, and, and I thought it was interesting that you listed it with Red Dead Redemption, um, is you know, the, sto- the storytelling is so much through the environment um, and your exploration of the environment. And mm-hmm. that I mean, that really is true with Red Dead Redemption as well.
1: Yeah, it is true. Yeah.
0: Um, how embedded did I mean, I know they have kind of the kind of traditional uh, narrative over the top but Mm. that that world is so rich
1: yeah I I do find that embedded narrative much more uh, I guess engaging or immersive than okay cutscene time Mm. now back to the gameplay now cutscene I mean cutscenes are fine but I really like exploring things and discovering things autonomously Mm. cougar attacks
3: cougar attacks except (laughs) for cougar attacks (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, Zach, how about you?
2: Yeah, so again, hard to pinpoint an exact game, right? But Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I think the one that stands out the most is Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Mm -hmm. Island. Okay. Yeah, and I think to me, for a number of reasons. A, it was gorgeous at the time when it was released. Uh, B, it was quite rich in terms of gameplay. You could do so much in the game. Mm -hmm. Like, you had so many different types of control mechanisms. I remember pouring through the instruction manual.
1: When they came with when instruction manual. They came manual. with an instruction yeah. manual, right? And like I was
2: like, Oh my god, you can do so much with Yoshi, it was incredible. And third like and, and you know, mainly because you, you be you were Yoshi, right? You could actually control Yoshi, who is by far a superior character to, to Mario, at least in the previous game. And uh, yeah, he could you know Swallow enemies. He could turn them into eggs. He could throw eggs. It was just so much fun. But you felt empathy as well, and I think that was one of the strongest things for the characters in the game. Like you felt bad when Mario was taken away from you. Like a, I don't know if you played the game at all, but yeah. you basically you had Baby Mario, you were Yoshi, and you had to take him back to his parents. Um, hmm. And so yeah, the enemies would do everything they could to kind of get him.
0: And he cried oh, when he was separated. It was the most
2: annoying sound as well, <laughs> and I think that that added to it.
0: And it was in a bubble, yes. floating so around. So it floating around, and you'd yeah. have to
2: hit the bubble with an egg and right, jump and grab him right. somehow before these like flying guys came down and took him away. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good game.
0: Cool. Uh, any <laughs> other title that you want to kind of call no, out? Yeah, that's it. That was it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great game. <laughs> just, like, the best game. Nothing like, compares. It's just trash <laughs> that's no, that's in comparison. <laughs> Cool. Well, assuming you're not joking, I'll um, (laughs) introduce mine. Uh, So I I have to. I think I have to start with Mario sixty four. Um, that was just such a religious experience for me. Uh, Mm. And uh, you know, part of it was the anticipation for it as well. Because yeah, I was you know I was a gamer already. I was really into gaming. I had my Super Nintendo. I played Mario Kart like crazy uh, you know, I love Joshu's story and stuff as well. Although I think I only ever rented that. I, I would rent games for the week and just absorb myself yes. in for the week. And well, you could yeah. rent games, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Definitely. How
1: exciting was it going to a video rental store and just getting unleashed on the game mm-hmm. section? was such
0: a magical place. And then you, of course, you'd also get like the dark because you didn't know then there was no internet to kind of what well, when I was doing it at least there's no internet to look up stuff to see which games to get. Like sometimes you just had to take a gamble based on the cover art yeah. or whatever. Um, so I had a, I had a target catalog that I held on to that was like, uh, you know, this is coming in a month or two, um, where they had the, you know, release of the N64 and the, and the, um, picture of, uh, Super Mario in 3D, um, well, rendered, uh, on the front with him flying off with his cap. Um, and yeah, I would just like look at that and daydream. Um, and, uh. You know, never really expected that would it would exceed every expectation. Mm-hmm. Having you know, loved the Mario games before that, but for me, the biggest thing about it, and kind of part of why I'm so into control interfaces, is uh, the controls in that game and how that transition uh, transitioned us into um, navigating games with 3D worlds. Um, introduced the um, analog stick, and uh, you know, the, the basically they built a whole console around. Uh, that game um, you know, designed it around uh, the specific needs of that game which I think are pretty incredible um, some other kind of shout outs uh, Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem on the Gamecube um, uh, which is a Silicon Knights game um, which uh, no longer exists so they also they went on to uh, make Two Human on uh, I think that was 360, the, right yeah. at the start of the 360s life cycle, yeah, um, which they uh, got sued by Unreal, I think. And really? How, yeah. It's so for... one of the
1: cover with a guy lifting up a car, right? Was, was a uh, I,
0: don't, I don't really remember the cover. But... Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I, I know that, that, t- that team has been dissolved, but I mean, that was just such an amazing game. Um, rich with mythology, kind of a survival horror game, but also an action adventure game. Um, where you played as a bunch of different characters across different time periods, and it was just so epic, and I've played through it so many times that I have to kind of call that out. Um, Metroid Prime, I think, is just beautiful as well, and introduced me to the Metroid games. And I, I didn't play Metroid before that. Um, and uh, interestingly, we'll kind of get into the year and review them in a little bit, but uh, Zelda is up there as... as Um, One of, if not my favourite franchises.
1: I was surprised Ocarina hasn't come up. So generally in any discussion like this, it's like the first thing out the
0: gate. Yeah, and Ocarina of Time certainly was a similarly religious experience um, for me. Uh, uh, One of my kind of quotes about that is... I would walk outside and be like, oh, look, the sun rises in real world, just like it does in the game. (laughs) Um, I was that into that game. Uh, But yeah, what, what amazes me um, is that Breath of the Wild, I think overtakes that for me. Um, and that was a really weird experience, uh, you know, in my thirties playing a game that could be overtaking as my favorite game of all time. I'm (laughs) falling like, no, don't get too excited, you know, like stand back. But having had the nine months or whatever, since it's launched to go back to it several times and that's helped with the kind of the DLC packs and stuff as well. Uh, yeah, I just think it's amazing what they've done with the systems in that Mm. game and, uh, and just how enjoyable it is and how free it is.
2: Even the motorbike? Uh,
0: I think it's a cute little addition. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I like that they limited it. Like I, it's not like, it's not like a GTA motorbike. You are going crazy all over the world. Like mm. the top speed's not that, maybe it's a little bit more than a horse. I don't know. Maybe there's some horses that are faster. Mm. Um, and they limit it with the fuel as well. You know, you've got to feed... It's just so funny seeing him on a motorbike. Yeah, it is really <laughs> weird. But there's a lot of, like, ancient tech in that game, yeah, so yeah. it's not true, true, true. completely... Yeah, no, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I guess... I, I, You know, I don't know to what extent um, this I- enriches the conversation further, but I thought we'd just shout out some developers and publishers as well. Like, obviously, the, you know, there's a bunch of teams in Nintendo that um, I'm taken with. Um, but also... I would want to shout out Naughty Dog as well. Yeah. I think the Uncharted games and uh, uh, what's the other one.
1: Uh The Last of Us. The Last of Us yeah. is
0: you know they're just incredible. Crash um,
1: Bandicoot was pretty good too. <laughs> true, that I I didn't touch it out there. PlayStation
0: until like PlayStation 3-ish so right. yeah I never really um, got to experience that though I hear it is like Crash was
1: my first non-handheld console game oh. um, and it was the only game I had for the longest time and my game I immediately scratched it so I really only had the first oh island no. in Crash Bandicoot I played that over and over and over this first <laughs> island I could probably play with eyes <laughs> it was I was a big fan
0: that's really cool though. I Kinda wish r- I'd
1: completed the game <laughs> <laughs>
0: It reminds me of like you'd get the demo discs and stuff, and just play the that. Robot. Would, yeah, sometimes, yes. sometimes that Abe's would be the game Odyssey. for you, and yeah. that was it.
2: <laughs> First level, that was it. Oh yeah, you yeah, that's <laughs> right. that
1: too, yeah?
2: And it was ever, ever lived happily ever after. <laughs> 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 there
1: was no dark secret <laughs> was No dark secret.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course, So, any other developers or publishers
3: that you follow kind of intensely, or yeah, one that I'm really, I have always historically been a fan of was Rare because of the Ooh. early Nintendo sixty four days. Um, but yeah, they just sort of are coming out now with Sea of Thieves, which is really interesting, and I'm excited to see um, how that goes. It looks really That's cool. cool. Hmm.
1: We played the was it beta? What was it? What was the weekend? We played
3: technical alpha. Technical which alpha, we're technically
0: not <laughs> allowed to talk about. <laughs> oh, so, ah, yeah. okay, right. Yeah. So there was that. We'll there, was that. that. <laughs> yeah, that there was that. Yeah, that was a thing. Awesome.
1: With a capital T. Scott.
0: Uh, any for you, Alison?
1: Um, so I used to be absolutely obsessed with Valve and what they got up to because to me, like especially in the early 2010s, they were kind of like a force to be reckoned with in PC gaming. Mm. They were pioneers. They had uh, TF2. They had the Portals. They had, um, mm. I guess, controversially, Dota. <laughs> 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 but... Um, it's, it's kind of died off a little because they I think they've become very much so more about Steam market and mm. items rather than actually producing new content. But hey, at the moment... Episode 3. Right. It's yes, it'll happen. <laughs> I, I, oh, I don't oh, even oh. see people refer, referring to that jokingly <laughs> It's so anyway, Like, <laughs> the hope <laughs> is dead. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. But um, now it's... I think I'm probably... Blizzard would be... I'm really happy with that. Mm. Like, they've been doing some good stuff. For Overwatch anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. How about you, Zach? Yeah, Nintendo,
2: hands down. Just a big Nintendo fanboy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm original so Nintendo fanboy, not like you, who switched back and forth. For a <laughs> <laughs> I'm pure Nintendo fanboy forever. Cool. That's mainly because, like, you know, you, c- you kind of just stuck or you picked one back in the day, one of
1: the consoles. Zach's a real fan, Mitch? Yeah. <laughs> I, sorry, <laughs> I guess
0: to explain myself a little. Um... Yeah, I went from Master System 2, which was more of a family thing, and I think NES was probably the first console that was mm. meant to be mine. Um, and then, Super Nintendo just took ages to come out in Australia, and, you know, Sega Mega Drive was out for a while. Yeah, right. And we went into the... My mum and I, um, who supported my gaming addiction, uh, went into the store, and, and, I, and I think... I can't remember what was playing, but I, it might have been Sonic, and, and I was just like, oh my god, I have to get this, this looks amazing. And then I think I only had that for a couple of years before we then sold it or traded it in because we went into, I think it was like a wizard gaming store in New South Wales. Um, And I saw, I saw tennis like, or super tennis or like tennis on Mm. SNES playing and I don't know why that but I was just like oh my god the, the sounds of the de- it's just amazing and look at the graphics it's so much smoother than the Mega Drive I'm like I'm sorry I have to upgrade now yeah. and just the thought of like the you know just next generation I like you said it with stuff.
1: that exact intonation I'm sorry happen. we need to
2: stop right I remember now. that game it was excellent though
0: yeah, yeah. 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 It, like, I think it was kind of a technology showpiece for was it, it? Like, yeah. yeah um but it's hard to see that now.
2: So you go, you go to SNES and then...
0: Yeah, know. and then from that point it was... Yeah, right, right. I know, yeah, I didn't go back, you know, because then that's the point that Sega basically screwed up from. Because it was like mm. the Sega CD add-on to the Mega Drive, I think, was first. And then they did something else in there. And then the Saturn didn't really work. And actually, no, that's not true. In In America, I did get a Dreamcast for like six months or a year or something like that. And... We were just, which was an awesome system. It was like, way ahead of its time. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know, internet play and the, uh, you know, just oh, display in the controller yeah. and uh, the, you know, analog triggers and just a really comfortable controller as well. Actually, um, yeah. So anyway, that's that's my defense for my <laughs> swapping <laughs> back no, and for forth. That's that's cool. Cool. But I am proud of you that you suck with Nintendo the whole time. <laughs> This might be a little bit harder for the for the con, uh, the PC um, people that we have here, but uh, the next one is favorite console or system, and if you had to narrow that down,
2: I mean, you could just say PC, right?
0: Yeah, it is cheating, but sure. Not
1: <laughs> <laughs> so cheating it's the only correct
0: answer.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I've played with all the consoles. I I was a, a very spoiled child growing up. Um, and basically, didn't have to make choices between Nintendo, um, Sony, and Sega. So I just had them all, and yeah. So I am now a PC gamer. So I guess.
1: So you tried them all. Yeah, tried them all. Landed on PC.
3: So I think that's um, yeah. PC is just where I am drawn. Fair enough.
1: If it is is cheating to say PC, then I'll refrain. But um, I would say PlayStation 2 for me. Mm. was a big one. I loved my PlayStation. Mm. Um, and I, that's kind of reflected in its success, right? Like, it was... For a while, there wasn't, it like, the most...
3: Yeah, it was, it was
1: the most popular console of all time, or something. Or yeah. you know more
3: about this? Game. It was, yeah, it yeah. was. It while. was
0: the best selling. Uh, I think it's up to ninety million or something like that. Yeah. I, my uh, Nintendo fanboy argument at the time was <laughs> uh, that because it included a DVD player, right, okay. that many of the systems sold that it was like For one of the cheapest reasons. DVD players. Actually, was it really? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, especially early on in that medium. um mm. I remember watching
1: Jurassic Park On my PS2 yeah, <laughs> Really um, <laughs> But
2: remember, so, Yeah Remember when the Playstation came out though, It was like $1300 or something The original one. Oh, yeah It was really expensive Yeah
0: thing. CD-Rom's man Yeah wow. it. Um But yeah The Uh It certainly way outsold The N64 Which was the main competitor yeah. at the time Um uh, did you have a favorite console? Yeah, okay, I've got three.
2: So, the Super Nintendo, because that's what I grew up with, right? Switch, because you can play games like this with your arms separated and just chilling, which is great. I mean with a Joy-Con in each A Joy-Con end. in each end, yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Like, the freedom you have now playing Switch.
0: You could do that with the Wiimote and Nunchuck. Yeah, well, they were connected still. <laughs> yeah, you got stuck.
1: Have you seen the uh, picture of a guy in a lecture with yes. his hands in his pockets? Yep. And the switch in his backpack, uh, and he's just sitting there. He's actually he's playing in the middle of in like, a in 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 yeah. club. That's cool. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Nintendo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then I'm going to say the iPhone, as well. Right, right. So, yeah, uh, cheeky. It yeah. is cheeky, isn't it? But that's because I think that just changed the gaming landscape. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. In terms true. of true.
0: casual players and just new
2: types of games that we hadn't seen before. so yeah. I think it's really good.
0: Yeah, I think that was an amazing period. The the late '90s, you know, when we had. Uh, we and d s well, was two thousand and five two thousand and six uh, iphone two thousand and eight um, like just so much was disrupted mm. and changed in the mm. industry around that point mm. it 's really incredible. Yeah. I love the switch as well and i i mean i think it 's quickly becoming my favorite system but i uh, i don 't know it 's really hard for me to choose between n sixty four and Gamecube, but I think I would probably choose Gamecube and part of it is because of the next topic which is it Probably has my favorite controller. Again, the Pro controller on the Switch I think is really good and has some, some amazing tech in it. Um, but the GameCube controller was so comfortable and the analog triggers are really good, which <laughs> the Pro controller doesn't have. Um, so, yeah. I, I'll, I'll, to be fair, since especially since you guys, you know, uh, you, well, Madison at least chose the system. Uh, yeah, but I at least I, did <laughs> that, Cody. Yeah, come on. <laughs> God, help myself. Can't help it. Uh, I'll settle on GameCube. Um, so is, what about control interface then? Do you guys have a favourite control interface for playing games? I mean, is is that a stupid question to a PC gamer? Well,
1: I, don't, I don't think it's a stupid question because the answer for me is mouse and keyboard. <laughs> but um, if I had to choose an actual... Well, I play a lot of shooters um, and shooters don't work so hard on controller. You don't have that precise control. And the ability for micro-movements to Mm. the extent that you do with uh, mouse and keyboard. Um, But that being said, there are a lot of games that are better with controller like Dark Souls. Mm. Um, And when I play games like that, I revert back to PlayStation controllers where possible. Um, Just because, I mean, I I don't know if it's... It's definitely not objective. It's 100% subjective. It's the console that I grew up with. It's... The controller I'm most comfortable with. I find the like the Xbox controller to be way too big and too bulky, <laughs> and it's like it's I'm working out when I'm holding it. I don't want to exercise when I'm playing video games, so it's the PlayStation controller for me. Yep, it's just sleek.
0: Yeah, uh, so in my thesis, I would call that game technology familiarity, like the, the right. preference for what you've had the most experience with. Yeah, um, uh, but. Uh, PlayStation has, or Sony has, you know, really supported that in terms of keeping it so consistent through the yeah, generations they as well. Changed.
1: They added the analog sticks. And that's yeah, been that's about right. it. Mm.
3: Yeah. Uh, Cody, did you have a favorite interface? Yeah, I think I am very, very heavily skewed towards just using a keyboard and mouse. Um, I with, like if given the option between playing with a controller and playing with Keyboard and mouse for a game like The Witcher. Even if people are saying it's better to play with um, a controller, I'll probably still try to play it with keyboard and mouse, um, just because I've got so many buttons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I I really like. You
1: did play Dark Souls with
3: controller. Yeah, yeah, but that's like one. There are a few exceptions, I think, Um, and unless unless it's something like a very very heavy dodge roll game i'm probably always going to play with keyboard and mouse that,
1: that was my experience with cuphead um, <laughs> have you guys played cuphead
3: no. that will
1: actually come up in one year later yeah but um like, i was like okay i'm gonna try and play this with keyboard and mouse and the game was so hard and i kept reading it so much easier with controller mm. so i switched to controller and the game was still so hard. It was, it, was slightly better. it was slightly better.
0: Surely that yeah. is one genre where, like, platformers is one genre where controllers are just better. I, I do agree. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. There's probably some scenarios for sure. Mm. Uh, Zach. Yeah. Uh, so we t- we're not
2: talking, if we're not talking about comfort,
0: mm. then I think. The- uh, you can factor in ergonomics. Okay, absolutely. Uh, right. right. Yeah. Well,
2: my favorite controller is the Wii controller.
1: Remote, remote. yes, Yes. just because it
2: added motion controls, Mm. and I think that just changed everything. I remember lining up at midnight at Toys R Us for the Wii, uh, yes, yeah, for the Wii um, console, and then going home and playing tennis with it. And that blew my mind. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this is we played tennis for like three hours. <laughs> this in the is morning. literally tennis right I now. <laughs> I don't ever
1: have to leave my house again. <laughs> yeah, but I think
2: it just changed the landscape so much. You know, people were like, "Oh yeah, you can do other things with controllers, mm. right? Not just have buttons. You can actually have motion controllers and things yeah. like that."
0: That's quite interesting. For me, that actually made shooters much more palatable on console as well, with the IR pointing. Oh, really? Yeah. So Metroid Prime um, has. Been adjusted for Wii controls, and that works really well. Actually, um, if you work out your dead zones and stuff accurately, the thing that shocked me at first about the the Wii Remote um, mm. was how small it was. Actually, because I'd been watching the videos and looking at images, and I went to a preview event a couple of months before the launch of the Wii in Australia, and yeah, that was, that was it. But I was like, that's fantastic because kids, you know, kids can mm. fit it in their hand as well. And, you know, I just, controllers are so big that you could kind of expect that. Mm. Um, but, you know, you know, the A button, the little tiny D-pad <laughs> and stuff, yeah. <laughs>
1: then you add the plastic sleeves after. Oh, so yeah. The, the motion things. control yeah. thing on the bottom. They uh, get big up. eventually. Yeah. yeah. The condoms
0: do make them a bit bigger. Yeah. Idea. Dang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool. That's a nice (laughs) note to cross off that um, part of the. G (laughs) rating Damn, I put my R rating in there. So, the next topic we're gonna just, I guess, narrow down a bit. We've been very broad, we've been uh, looking at favorites across all time. Um, So, just looking at the last year. uh, And I don't mind if it's favorite, I'm also interested in most played. um, Because maybe your most played is not your favorite, I'm not sure. Um, and any kind of notable mentions of of games um, that you want to call out? Zach, can I go back to you?
2: Yeah. Okay. So my my most played was not my favorite. Shock horror. Right. It was mm. Hearthstone. So I played a lot of Hearthstone, mm. but that's mostly, mostly because it was on the phone.
1: Mm.
2: So I just I just played it a lot. I, I enjoyed it. But... How many hours do you think you have? Long oh, time? I don't want to know. Okay. <laughs> 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 that's reasonable. Um, but my favorite. So uh, I was unlucky enough to uh tear my acl in my knee last year and go through an operation but i timed the operation perfectly with the release of mario odyssey Mm. which meant i was uh on drugs and just had like two or three (laughs) solid weeks of playing mario and it was just it's a great game so i think that is my favorite because that i don't know it's just it's a really good game
0: Um, yeah
1: That might be the perfect context to play a Mario title in, like, on drugs, no obligations. I was going to say, like, if there's
0: not at least some members of that dev team that are applying why they're designing that stuff, what are they doing to get to that state of mind then? Because it's just incredible. It was was crazy.
2: It was was just such a crazy experience. But it it worked, I think. You know, the music was fantastic. Like, that that scene in uh, New Donk City... Mm. Oh, amazing! Like you couldn't help not like dance along mm. with it, which was great. The like, intro yeah. of
0: New Donk City as well. I'm sorry if the spoilers here, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, I won't go too much into it. But I thought that intro of how you discovered New Donk and fought the boss and mm. stuff like that was so cinematic mm. and um, a great introduction to yep. the environment as well.
2: And then I had one, I have one other shout out, and that is for Doki Doki Literature oh, Club. Oh yeah. <laughs> which I like. I can't go into details about it because it no. would ruin it. But you're mm. just going to play it. Like, it's a free game. Play it.
1: Cody's brother was recommending it to him. He was like, you need to play Doki Doki Literature Club. Uh-huh. And we were looking at and we saw these super happy anime chicks. And I was like, it looks like any other romance sort of game. Mm. Um, and I was like, that is the strangest thing for him to be recommending to you, <laughs> Cody. <laughs> That's a really weird choice. <laughs> but I looked into it a little bit more. I think Google yeah. Images actually revealed a lot mm. of it for me. I was like, right. oh, there we go.
0: Yeah. Cause Cause I, I, are you
1: familiar
0: with it? I got an explanation from Zach the other day. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's not what you think it is, basically. Mm.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. It reminds me a bit of Frog Fractions
1: in that way. Ooh. Right. I get kind of Undertale vibes from it too. It's oh, like it's... Yeah. Oh, it's hard to talk about them in... Per- I haven't played Undertale yet. Oh, dude. I know. I can't really talk about them in parallel either because by t- saying it's similar to Undertale and then spoiling Doki mm. Doki, so... I won't so play it, listeners. <laughs> play both of these games so that we can talk about. That. <laughs> there we go. Um,
0: Matt, what did you want to highlight? Shout
1: Shoutouts. Uh, well, again, my most played and my favorite differ. Hmm. Um, my most played is PUBG. Uh, <laughs> Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. In the order of several hundred hours, <laughs> um, I'm loving it. It's so fun. But in terms of favorite. I would have to say Lisa, which wasn't a 2017 release. Mm. I think it came out in 2014 or 2015, but I only, I'm really slow to play new titles. I was just saying to Mitch earlier, I'm like, oh, this is a new game I'll play, and I'll find it, it's actually four years old. <laughs> um, but Lisa, it was, it was really funny in a really dark kind of way, and um, I, I kind of like how... Games are like this perfect vehicle for that because they bring the user, the player, into the game experience and kind of make you responsible for the narrative in some way. So I really like Lisa, but again, can't really speak about it at length. Yeah, I was
0: because uh, I'm not really familiar. So is, so is there any kind of intro yeah, right. to?
1: Okay, so Lisa, it's a little platformer sprite indie game, and uh, it's set in a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, where women don't exist anymore. But the twist is that your main character finds a, a baby, like a baby girl. Um, and he raises her and then she disappears. And it's about trying to track her down and find her and make sure she's safe. But the player character also has a lot of messed up issues from an abusive father, drug issues, that kind of thing. Um, and it doesn't shy away from all the horrible things you would expect of that world. But it's also very funny. So, like, I wish I could, like, there's one guy that you meet and he has dialogue that and the joke is that you can't, like, the dialogue is, it's like 10 minutes of him talking about this irrelevant story. You finally get away from him and he appears on the next screen. He's like, oh, and by the way. (laughs) But yeah, Lisa, it's really awesome. But PUBG is what I've been spending all my time
0: on.
3: Right. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So most years I generally have a game that I'll sink like 500 hours into. And I think for some reason 2017 is the first year in a long time that that just hasn't happened for me. So I've got a lot of games that I played a decent chunk of, but nothing that was like a substantial sort of outlier for the year, which, yeah, was quite interesting for me. Um,
1: yeah, really, I think Assassin's Creed, yeah. the latest one. Yeah,
3: but that that's still probably not... That, that high up in terms of how many hours I spent um, the, the game I probably did actually spend the most hours on which is a little bit embarrassing um, is Far Cry Primal which was slammed when it first came out because um, I think the map was basically just a rotated version of Far Cry 4's. Mm. Um and yeah people just universally panned the game as awful and just Far Cry but with bows um, hmm. but they came out with some patches for it after the fact that added like a survival mode and a hardcore mode that deleted your save file when you die. Um, and so, yeah, now you're just walking along and you see like the glint of a saber tooth's eyes at night and you're like, Oh God. <laughs> yeah. And it can basically one hit combo you. Hmm. So, um, yeah, something about playing that is really was really really good for me so like I die in it all the time but like every like two or three months I'll boot it back up and play through it again
1: how about that Viking game you did play someone what was that called the indie Viking game
3: Hellblade 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 um, was Was it it...
0: Senua's Sacrifice yeah yeah. Senua's Sacrifice yeah
3: Um, so that one is also really really good Um, which won a couple of awards at the game yeah yeah. it's really really beautiful as a narrative so people should definitely check that out Mm. if they're interested I actually haven't finished that game, so I really need to get back into it. But one game that I will also shout out as, like, probably my favorite game of 2017 that's not, I think, a 17 game, <laughs> technically. Uh, it's early access, so it's hard to sort of mm. call what it is these days. But um, Factorio. So, Factorio is a game on Steam that is just absolutely amazing, where you just build a factory and. It's just mechanically very simple, but uh, and all the challenge is essentially just creating your own efficiency and logic, and I don't know, something about it. It's like one of the most well-reviewed games on Steam. Mm. It just has this very niche appeal, but if you're part of that audience, you love it. Speak
1: Mm. with the logical thing. People who like logic puzzles...
0: Cody is a programmer. (laughs) Tell
1: them how you played Minecraft, Cody.
3: Uh, (laughs) Minecraft is redstone. Uh, If you're not building electrical engineering things and looking at electrical engineering concepts... You make calculators in Minecraft. Like, other people are making
1: houses and farms, and I'm making a calculator.
3: Look, you make a mud shack, and then
0: you make it a sci-fi mud shack with redstone. (laughs) My favourite game is my most played game. Um, which is Zelda uh, of the Wild um, which is not a surprise given that it also made it into my favourites of all time uh, yeah so almost 200 hours in that and uh, don't really need any more explanation That's, yeah. it is what it is um, but my next most played game according to my logs on my Switch uh, is Fire Emblem Warriors um, which is interesting it's, yeah, it's not my favourite game I play it pretty much exclusively in co-op uh, with my partner, and uh, there's just there's so much content in that game. Um, that's part of the reason that you play them so long is you there's so many mini battles, maps, and stuff to to um, to beat, and so many unlockables. Like the reward structure in that <laughs> game is just insane, um, you know, and leveling and everything. Uh, but also, it does uh, capture some cool mechanics from the the main Fire Emblem kind of games, which I'm also a fan of. Um, you know, in terms of the weapon triangle and, uh, you know, telling your uh, characters where to go on the map and kind of thinking about the strategy of um, warfare as well. Um, I have to shout out Stardew Valley, uh, which I only... Thank you for the recommendation initially, (laughs) Madison, on that. Um, But yeah, I got that when it came to Switch uh, and traveled with it. And, uh, and, you know, it's a great game, I think, for um, playing on the go on Switch. Um, but I've also played a fair bit um, on this couch as well. And uh, uh, Metroid Samus Returns, uh, as well as my Swan Song 2 3 ds, um, which I you know played so many games on 3 ds, uh, so many great games on that on that system. Um, and that was just a perfect way to to finish it off. Um, Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle is just an amazing strategy game so well produced, so lovingly crafted. Um, and you know it's a great Mario game but it's a a great strategy game as well Mm -hmm. Um, Super Mario Odyssey is on my list Um, and then wanted to shout out some uh, indie games as well Nine Parchments I've already put 55 hours into that's only been out for a a month Um, great co-op twin stick shooter wizarding game (laughs) Uh, uh, from Frozenbyte, who uh, made the Trine games, uh, SteamWorld Dig 2, I mean, if you guys have you played SteamWorld Dig at all, it. they're just brilliant, brilliant games, um, so, uh, I mean, SteamWorld's all over the place now, the first one, SteamWorld Dig, um, but, uh, so they're, they're kind of Metroidvania games to some extent, um, except they're kind of like Minecraft as well, to some extent, so it's 2D, but you're digging your way down through uh, uh, dirt and rocks and stuff like that with your mm-hmm. um, pick pickaxe and uh, you know battling enemies as you encounter them and collecting resources and you have a limited uh, amount of uh, light um, you have a torch so, and, and you have a limited uh, number of stuff things that you can carry so you're picking up gems and stuff like that and then you have to climb back up the path that you've created down into the mine go sell that stuff level up some of your abilities and then go back down cool. um and it just has so do you have
1: to be careful about how you dig down because you need to, yeah. to get back out
0: yeah. yeah eventually you upgrade to have additional tools to help you navigate more but yeah definitely in the start that's a big factor how you dig um yeah. is going to determine uh uh whether you die down there or not um but also uh the extent to which you can get all of the resources that are around the map because you might dig down in one way and not get back be able to get back um, is it a single
2: player game
0: it is just single player yeah yeah um so yeah that that uh the sequel came out um to switch um i think around august or september last year but they're also both on steam Um, And Overcooked as well Which was a recommendation From Zach Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah Which was just uh, You know It's great at parties um, It's Great to sit down with a few friends and just try to uh, plow your way through the campaign. It's
1: the ultimate relationship test. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's, it's great.
0: It's great to yell at your friends and <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> I asked for <laughs> And how serious it gets, uh, uh, yeah. Based on that, it's it's just awesome. That's like, it. Would be fun to like just capture audio snippets from people playing that game.
1: Yeah, know. it's a ridiculously fun game. It's just sheer fun.
0: Mm.
3: It's good. For sure. If you ever want to establish motive, just record (laughs) 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 the threats people
0: make while they're playing. Good point. In terms of industry-related stuff, one of the last things we'll touch on um, for looking back at the uh, year was some stuff that we've talked about ad hoc and even before the podcast today, kind of gaming trends of the year or the ways in which you think the industry is changing. Um, So we were talking earlier about this Uh, Quagmire of early release, uh, early access, uh, ongoing public betas. When the launch of a game is how that you know it used to be. You launch a game, you have that big impact across social media or across all the markets that it's released in, and people can experience it at the same time and talk about it socially. And now you have this weird model that's. um, It's not like it's just started in 2017, but I feel like it's becoming more prominent. Um, that uh, really changes that landscape in terms of how different people are experiencing games. Um, so it, whether you want to talk more about that or whether it, there's another trend that you think that you, you know you would highlight as gaining momentum in
3: 2017.
1: Right, we said some very clever stuff off mic. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, so it's yeah. gone now. No, there, there are some interesting things about it. Um, I think early access is starting to mature a little though we're finally starting to see some games that are actually graduating from early access on places like Steam like I think Player Unknown Battleground the biggest game on PC at the moment mm. um, it just it released yeah, it right released, now yeah which so. was
1: surprising mm. like no one they, the developers Bluehole were always aiming for a mid-December of 2017 release mm. and I guess in light of all these other early access games like DayZ and Rust and, and etc. that have been in early access forever and it's kind of just become an excuse for all oh, these bugs, it's an early access game, that's okay. Mm. So I guess I was like, yeah right, that's going to happen. And then they actually did release. Well, <laughs> I,
0: I think that might be publisher money. So I think because yeah. Microsoft gave them the money to make it Xbox
3: exclusive as well. Right. But that that had to have a release date. Yeah. And so that might have pushed them into that. Yeah, yeah it probably did to an extent. Um, but we also saw games like, I think, Ark graduate. And I think, um, what was the other one that we were talking about? Subnautica, I think, graduated yesterday or the day before. Mm. So some fairly large, well-known-ish titles for PC at least mm. um, are starting to graduate from Early Access, which is... A nice sort of change.
0: And Sea of Thieves is has been in public beta for quite a while as well. Um, is that is that
3: cross-platform? Is that PC as well as Xbox One? It is X. on
1: Xbox and PC. Has
3: right. it been public beta? No, no, it hasn't been public beta. So I think your words are sorry, private beta. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah um, sorry, it was it was like in a technical alpha yeah. Yeah. for a little while. I think.
0: I think it was over a year and a half, like I think it was E3 2016 that they started Mm. doing that kind of like inviting people to come and test the
3: multiplayer. Yeah, they've been doing a really interesting staggered um, release for that. I think it was very, very difficult to get into it until quite recently, Mm. and now uh, the floodgates are finally starting to open a bit. Um, But yeah, I think um, honestly, I think the biggest and most interesting trend that's upcoming is going to be debate around microtransactions. Mm-hmm. I think that... Some big peaks end, yeah, at the end of last year. The end of 2017 seemed to have like just changed the landscape <laughs> of what we can mm-hmm. expect with mm-hmm. AAA microtransactions. Which, thank God
0: that... Uh, so I, I I didn't follow it too closely, but I'm, I know Battlefront was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. I, but almost, thank God that they went a bit too far and forced that backlash because now they have to acknowledge, you know, community. Uh, well, the way that they're using that um,
3: mechanic, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting, and I, I'm, I'm, I, the conversation and how the conversation progresses will be really interesting as well. I'm hoping that. Um, cool heads will prevail and that the industry will be allowed to have discussions about it internally before coming to a regulatory sort of Mm. approach Um,
1: I'm quite happy too that they're starting to react to the sentiment of the gaming community but something mm. I've been speaking about Cody with is like God I hope that we don't get some nanny state shenanigans going Mm. on with I mean governments typically don't have the most um Realistic or contemporary idea of video game, as we all know, obviously. Yep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so once they start sticking their toes in and being like, "Hang on, they're they're charging people for a Pong like this," like it's like,
3: yeah.
2: yeah. Do you, <laughs> some countries ban it or, or do something in terms of Is it?
3: There are a couple of countries that I think are introducing like cool. sort of like talks or like mm. um, sort of. Hiring special groups to do research and investigations on microtransactions. But they likened it to gambling, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it, 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 well, it, it, it is being it used as gambling in the most extreme cases. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. It, it's Quite literally, going yeah. yeah, skins. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting seeing how that progresses. Especially because, at the moment, as well, like the first blockchain games mm-hmm. have just started emerging in the last few months. Sure so we're gonna... right. well, it well, no, but um, it's just interesting that that's happening, so just the assetization mm. of games mm. is crypto Kitties. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: strength of the quote unquote indie market is mm. something I, I feel like maybe we've been talking about it for a while, but the you know there was kind of a distinct indie market and then it started to blur and you started to get some indie games. Um, you know, getting Game of the Year awards and stuff like that, and I just feel like in 2017 the distinction is almost gone. Because especially because you also have the larger publishers sometimes publishing the indie games, and then well, there's like mid-range price games mm-hmm. and lower. Price, you know, like it's that market is just so flourishing all over the place, and yeah. the quality mm-hmm. and diversity of games is just incredible.
1: I think in the you called it the early naughties, <laughs> <laughs> um, like. Well, early in mid '90s, I suppose, is when we saw um, indie games becoming. This is like what everyone is. If you want to get into game development, you should take the indie route. You should join a small studio mm. and start your own studio. And I think we're starting to see the fruit of that now. Yeah,
2: mm, I so think
1: so. Yeah, that was a scene. Now we're seeing it coming through in a massive way. And there's some games like Hellblade. Mm. Um, when you told me that was an indie game, like developed by how many people? Yeah, like
3: less than twenty. Like it's that triple indie sort of thing we're hearing right. about now. But, but it
1: looks like a triple A game. Yeah. It looks mm. like something funded by, with millions. Yeah.
2: And is this because it's easier to make games these days now as well? So with things like the yeah, Unity engine be.
3: and... I think that's probably... Uh, yeah, startup.
0: the yeah. accessibility of those engines as well and, and the level of support around them and that kind of thing, I think, plays a part as well. And, and the console. support, like yeah.
2: Kickstarter. Yes. And, yeah. mm. and early access. Yeah, yeah. early oh, yeah. access. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, well, I mean, I have to throw the the disruption of the Switch in there as well. Um, you, you obviously, has been a huge story uh, in twenty seventeen. You know, Nintendo coming back from uh, Nintendo doomed um, <laughs> land um, with the Wii U, um, and you know, just showing that uh, what they always do, you know, is innovate um, in that area. And but this time they've. You know the the product itself just makes so much commercial sense and has so much commercial appeal. Obviously, by the way it's been selling, um, uh, I, I it's not completely confirmed yet, but some analysts are saying that Nintendo's already outsold um, the Wii U in the first what, nine ten months of its sales um, compared to three to four years. So,
1: how is it comparing to the initial sales of the Wii? Do you know?
0: Uh, it is around the same yeah so right. it, it is wow. the fastest selling console in most markets wow um, so far so it's uh, it, it depends I think ps4 was really strong and and you know I think that's the other thing as well like while switch has been taking a lot of the headlines ps4 has just been selling like crazy as well mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, and so you know I think had the highest sales overall in uh, the, the, last year but you know just i think what everyone's impressed by is just the momentum of switch and Mm. um, the potential of it which you know i guess to acknowledge everyone in the room then we look at the xbox one x and i you know i think that has some um positive buzz and i you know i think probably lifted sales a bit and certainly the xbox xbox one s i think as well for microsoft put them back in the game they're now talking about that they're going to come to E3 with a lot of changes, mm-hmm. you know, again, like they're, they're still trying to recover from that initial reveal of the Xbox one. Mm-hmm. Um, but seem to be learning their lessons. Um, and you know, certainly Xbox one X is a beast. And for those that care about that, um, you know, level of, of visual fidelity, um, and performance, the, you know, that the, it's nice to have an option, I guess, on the, in the from amongst consoles yeah. that can play games like a, you know, high end PC can play games.
1: Maybe on a mi- more minute scale, I think the genre trend of the year is Battle Royale games. Mm. Mm. Yeah, good we point. It se- seemed to go through trends like there were zombie games for a while, then there were survival games, um, and I think now it's very much so about Battle Royale. Mm. Um, like PUBG is in a very original concept, but it managed to absolutely nail it and it brought together all these elements from Battle Royale games and just mm. had this really. I mean it's not the most optimized game in the world There's a lot of bugs There's a lot of mechanics that are questionable But it's just fun
3: Yeah it's really interesting to see a game on Steam That's mixed as re- Like it's got mixed reviews yeah. And yet it's still outselling yeah, Like mode. top seller Pretty much every day even during sales <laughs> When it's not on sale So, And we're already seeing clones as well Like
0: Fortnite's yeah. Battle Royale Yeah yeah, okay, that's
3: totally different. We, we found
0: <laughs> we found an iOS one, right? iPad, I oh, yeah, iPhone, did, iPhone right. battle
2: royale.
3: Yeah, <laughs>
1: twenty players.
2: Yeah, oh, on birthday. the on the iPhone, <laughs> which I don't
3: know. That's insane. Yeah, they're everywhere now, which is also really also
1: like the streamers associated with it, like Shroud. Are, are mm. you guys familiar with Shroud? So he's the biggest PUBG streamer, um, and there's someone else called Dr. Disrespect, and they make enough. Like I know they have like Lamborghini well, Dr. Disrespect has like a Lamborghini
3: yeah he's got a Lamborghini with a custom mod that rolls out carpet um it's <laughs> like a, a red actual carpet legitimate
1: celebrity culture surrounding <laughs> yeah. these guys they Shroud has something like oh, I don't know millions and millions of followers on Twitter on Twitch
3: yeah I think the more important part is that like he's integrating with other celebrities like he, mm. he talks and chills out with dead mouths and stuff like that and Skrillex, mm. and Skrillex yeah. which is just really really strange like to 10 see years that. ago
2: you, you wouldn't even believe yeah. just, this was going to happen yeah, now
1: there's a bleed over it. between like mm. I don't want to say real but actual celebrity culture and mm. game of celebrity For culture sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think yeah. That, especially as esports continues to take off mm. we're going to see more and more celebrities in that area too, yeah right mm. You know 20 years from now they'll be the most popular celebrity yeah. <laughs> because of the genre change so, yeah,
3: it'll
0: yeah it'll
3: be interesting
0: yeah I like that they acknowledge that and did, did you guys watch the game awards they so they have categories for best esports team um best youtube uh twitch personality mm. and that kind of stuff as well so uh yeah just you know acknowledging the the I, I you know I think that's been from the last couple of years uh, you know something that has uh emerge the weight and the power of that community and how how fast it's growing and Mm. you know with with the shift in the way that people consume media as well that that's just so much extra weight thrown behind Mm them so there were a couple of papers uh that i read more recently that um uh, that i wanted to highlight and i have talked to i think a couple of you guys about uh, some of these so one is by uh, baron director al Uh, And it is a 2017 paper, it's called String Force, a force collaboration interaction game for special education, Um, and uh, I just thought this was a really cool design and some really cool reflections on this particular type of design, which, um, so it's uh, a game played on two to four co-located, so in the same space, tablets uh, designed for use in a special education context um, to support social-emotional training. Um, and basically, uh, the game itself. So you kind of position all your iPads, let's say, together, um, and each one uh, you use your finger on the screen to hold a bit of string, and all of the strings connect together, you know, across the screens of the iPads, and you move your finger around to move the cursor at the point where the strings intersect mm-hmm. um, to collect items and avoid obstacles. Um, so you have to all work together and kind of communicate. Um, and, uh, some of the interesting things I thought that came apart from the game itself that came out of, of the paper were the way you get people to set that up. So they, they used, uh, they had a puzzle piece across the four displays that, um, let the children know how to arrange the iPads together, um, so that they're all oriented correctly. Um, and, uh, yeah, some interesting stuff about, you know, pairing up and how you, um, uh, so pairing up the iPads that connected over Bluetooth, um, and how, uh you know they didn't want to make that a comp- it became a competitive um <laughs> process who, who was the host and who was connecting to that mm-hmm. um initially and that obviously wasn't the goals of the research project um so they found a way to do that in the background so it wasn't clear who the host was mm-hmm. and um so that people could actually just focus on the game and the social aspects of it so i thought that was really interesting another paper i, I came across that's a bit older uh, it's granick et al. It's in American Psychology. And it's called "The Benefits of Playing Video Games." So, so you guys may have come across yeah. this um, before, I, which I uh, I just thought was brilliant. Uh, it, you know, you get kind of a mix of uh, if it's if a paper is published by game academics, specifically game academics, sometimes it can be a bit uh, too uh, tunnel vision. Um, and, uh, you know, if you get, uh, a game paper published by, uh, uh, you know, communications or media academics, or sometimes psychologists, sometimes they, they don't really have in you know, touch with what's happening in, in games or, or, you know, the analysis can be a bit distanced, I guess, because of that. Um, and I just thought this was, had some really insightful, um, uh, findings or ideas in it. Um... So a few things I'll highlight from that. One is that the magic circle, or so then I then actually call it this. I'm calling it the magic circle, but basically the the um, the game space that uh, you step into when you play a game that allows for freedom of exploration, um, allows for safe exploration of emotions. And that facilitates and broad uh, uh, f- f- sorry facilitates a broaden and build theory of positive emotions. So basically, um, you're experiencing new different types of emotions. You're familiar with that emotions, and that allows you to live like a fuller, more diverse life outside of games as well. Uh, but they also argued. Um, you know, safe exploration of negative emotions as well, and therefore, uh, you know, being a gamer therefore allows you to better regulate your emotions because you've experienced them and learned to manage them in games. Another kind of interesting and related point they made was that gamers may also be more resilient, uh, resilient and persevere through challenges in life. Um, since playing games supports an incremental theory of intelligence, um, so basically that's where perseverance and effort triumph. So, uh, you know, if you're, you're praised for the effort that you make rather than your innate skills or your talent, um, then that supports this incremental theory of intelligence rather than an entity theory of intelligence, which is where, you know, you either have the skills, you either have the intelligence or you don't, that's innate, So that games basically encourages this incremental theory of intelligence, which means that you know that you can keep trying and that you, you know, you will work harder um, and that that potentially can translate to real life as well and build better, uh, you know, humans, I guess, you know, that are more resilient to challenges and will keep trying. And one other thing I'll call out from that paper is a quote, which I thought was really insightful in terms of, uh, you know, understanding what the effects of games are. So, uh, the quote is from Bevelier et al., 2011, uh, and it's, one can no more say what the effects of video games are than one can say what the effects of food are. Um, so basically just acknowledging, as we've kind of highlighted in this podcast today, how diverse you know this market, this medium has now become. Um, so saying that games have this effect on you mm-hmm is, yeah, it's the same as, well, food has this effect. Well, no, it depends on the type of food. It depends on the cuisine and etc. cetera. So, um, yeah, I thought that was really insightful.
1: Which also makes games pretty hard to... Not hard, but there's a lot of clarity that needs to... A clarification that needs to undergo when you're actually doing a study and choosing your video game artifact. You have to then acknowledge in your research and your papers. Hmm. Obviously, this is specific to online competitive first person shooters we can't assume mm. you'll see the same response in online competitive scrabble or something so yeah it's it's a huge consideration in games research yeah i like that quote it's cool
0: yeah me too and i, I think it highlights the errors of uh of logic or rationale of those who criticize games, games as well
1: yeah all of them right <laughs> yeah. exactly
0: yeah yeah uh, so did, was there anything, uh, any research ideas or any research trends you think, you know, the uh, building momentum at the moment that you would want to call out?
3: Um, something I've noticed that's kind of just a, I think research tends to be about a year behind the curve of, um, novel technology. I think two very, very novel technologies that started emerging in 2016 were the phenomena around Pokemon Go hmm. and um the phenomena around the release of commercial VR. Hmm. And so now there seems to be a lot of research about both of those things and yeah the, ones, the, yeah the the social um the social sort of discussions around Pokemon Go and how the world suddenly sort of emerged from their houses and walked <laughs> yeah. around in parks and stuff for like a week or two makes for some really interesting research papers. It I haven't I haven't read much of the literature yeah. out there on it. We are, yeah, we, <laughs> are, we are a couple of them. Yeah, we are a couple of them. But yeah, there, there seems to be just a wealth of knowledge mm. being produced around that.
2: What were you saying there was that? one great one that I saw which looked at three months, I think, of Pokemon Go playing and just the increase in number of steps that people did over that time right. mm-hmm. and it calculated or estimated how many extra kilometers people would walk and it was it was a lot. Like, yeah. It was in the... Yeah hundreds of thousands or millions I, I, I don't know but the interesting thing is Pokemon Go is still going quite strong yeah. mm-hmm. I think and mm. it's going to be some really interesting there's going to be interesting games coming out I think Niantic's working on a Harry Potter one.
1: Oh, god Star. oh wow that's yeah. going to get some people
2: <laughs> yeah right so I think that's going to be just as big and it's yeah. going to I think there's a there's going to be interesting consequences as with Pokemon Go mm. where communities were affected by the amount of people coming into you know their neighborhood no. i think down to the extent that in sydney some people even started throwing water bombs and things at pokemon go players because there were so many of them in their neighborhood
0: a pokestop or a gym or something yes right. uh, yeah. to the
2: point where the night actually removed those pokestops mm. just you know yeah. because the community was complaining yes. so much so I think that's going to be an interesting area for research, like you said, because mm. you know we don't know the effect of these games, especially games like Pokemon Go and Harry Potter one yeah. actually as yeah. well, we'll have on
3: our communities. When you start augmenting reality, you need yeah. to start yeah. dealing yeah. with consequences, consequences of augmented reality. There's
1: a lot of power in games that I don't think... Is fully realised that the mm-hmm. public isn't aware of, and it isn't until you take games from their traditional spaces mm-hmm. and introduce mm-hmm. them into the public space that you start to realise how powerful games are. Mm-hmm. And, like you said, that can spell—it's mm-hmm. not quite black mirror, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of consequences mm-hmm. you don't see coming, yeah. but also a lot of benefits. Oh yeah, a yeah. lot of benefits. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like people made you friends, they met yes. their partners, they got to exercise. Uh-huh. It's, it's quite incredible. I, I
1: was reading a lot of things about people with social anxiety mm. um, overcoming a lot of those challenges um, because of Pokemon Go. Mm. So it was, which is actually it's a trend at the moment in research which is looking at games for mental well-being for bit mm. well, for, for well-being, I should say mm. uh, for well-being and for mental health um, and mental health apps that are being gamified yeah. obviously. so that's, a, that's something recently.
0: Yeah, I feel like, I, I mean, I'm only starting to re-explore the literature after being so absorbed in my own little space for my thesis, but um, that seems to be an era, area that uh, so many different types of academics are exploring as well. Like, uh, yeah. like if people are aware of gamification now. Um, there are, uh, you know, phenomenons, I think, like Pokemon Go help Um, with that kind of pervasiveness and understanding of what games can do Um, so I feel like that's an area that's uh, we're going to continue to just yeah it intersects
1: hugely like psychology medicine um sports athleticism yeah everything Mm. intersects
0: Mm. And the you know the the technology is only becoming more and more supportive of that as well. Yeah. Um, you know you have uh, Apple's investment in AR kit and and how easy that's making AR for everyone um, and yeah like you you said the commercial release of VR you know, cheaper and cheaper VR headsets mm-hmm. as well. Um, so yeah it certainly makes a big difference. All right, so we might uh, just finish off uh, coming back to our own kind of Personal dreams for what we're looking forward to um, for this year. So, if there, is there any particular game or project, service, whatever that you is highly anticipated for you uh, in 2018? Yes. <laughs> <you go>. yeah. <laughs> Nintendo Cardboard. Right. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> or Labo. Or labo.
2: Or la, labo. I, labo. You, other
0: podcasts are calling it Labo. Labo. So, yeah. Nintendo
2: Labo. Okay. I. That. Blew my mind. I mean, it's just cardboard, but at the same time, it's it's going to be it's, it's incredible. Nintendo it's Nintendo cardboard. Yeah. I think it's going to that's going to have a huge impact. It mm. came from nowhere. It looks like it's going to be so much fun, and I think they've nailed it in terms of you know you make something, you decorate it, and you get to play with it, right? Where mm. it's kind of encroaching on the toy space and the Lego market as well. Yep, it's and kind of
1: full circle for Nintendo, right? Because it yeah. started out as playing cards. They did. They of playing card board. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yes, so I think that that's going to be the most interesting thing for me, in terms of, well, just because it's it's so different to anything out there as well.
0: Yeah, Um, and you just you don't know how it's going to affect the market. Yeah. Um, Well,
2: I was telling you, I just want to be a ten-year-old kid again, and I want to get a copy of Labo and give it a go. It looks great. Yeah, Mm. and the
0: tech is pretty incredible. Mm. That you know, everyone that has switches has you know a little mini connect in their right joy con Mm. they have uh uh you know several uh, rumble motors that can have all of these effects by isolating you know where the rumble's happening and the intensity of it uh the motion controls obviously built into it as well um that they're leveraging all that and kind of justifying
3: the inclusion
0: of all that tech
3: um you know
0: all, all that that kind of makes sense now why it's all
3: in there so that's really cool i think one of the main things that i'm sort of looking forward to is probably just to see the evolution of um, just exactly how um, it, the indie scene progresses. Because I think the indie scene is at a precipice where we're going to start seeing sort of indies, that like a, a new emergence of some AAA studios. So most of our mm. AAA studios at the moment are quite old. So we've got like Activision, Blizzard... Valve, like these guys, have been around for a while. Um, I think we're starting to see like some small collections of studios that are sort of getting banded together and getting multiple titles under their belt and absorbing smaller indies. So I think we're about to see some new big players emerge, which mm. will be really mm. interesting for the future of the space. That's an exciting prospect. Mm. Cool. Matt, is there
0: anything in particular you're looking forward to? Or? think might be on the horizon
1: I'm just excited for Red Dead Redemption 2 man <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that. That's, yeah. Fair that's fair enough yeah
1: it's good and um, multiplayer for Stardew Valley mm. which might be this year might not
0: yes should yeah. be <laughs> fingers crossed indeed uh, Pokemon on Switch I think you know has a lot of uh, wait what po- the, the, the Pokemon mainline game on Switch yeah well, we don't know if it's this year. That's yeah, the thing.
2: Yeah. Like but a 3D
0: Pokemon. Well, a full, you know, the, the main Pokemon team no, is not. making a Switch oh, Pokemon my. game. Game Freak.
2: Yes.
0: Ah, oh, okay. Yep. That's right. That's great. Ah, so. You're just Are you still with us, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> okay, No, Labo. Pokemon.
2: <laughs> right, okay, I <laughs> will change. What if right. they oh, have yeah. cardboard
3: and oh, Pokemon? My God.
2: Could throw a Pokemon cardboard Pokeballs. <laughs> at your, at your TV.
1: Are you able to yeah. edit the podcast and so when it goes back to Zach's excitement? It's just like, oh, I'm most excited for Pokemon. <laughs> right. That's all right. It's <laughs> well, horribly edited.
0: We'll just get rid of that <laughs> lava crap. Uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for that. Again, we don't know. Fire Emblem, uh, Metroid Prime 4, probably these are all actually 2019 titles. But Nintendo's online service, I'm really interested to see what they do with that because this is the first time that they're going to launch launch a service that is Paid, um, You know, it was just free on the Wii. It's been free so far on Switch, but there, um, And we don't have a virtual console on Switch yet, so I'm interested, you know, how that integrates with that. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I... Another kind of uh, thing that I wonder whether, you know, what companies are going to jump on to the success of a hybrid console as well, and whether, you know, we know... Um, you know, Sony is still selling Vita's to some extent. Um, whether they are want to continue to try to compete in the portable market, handheld market as well. Um, you know, could we see a hybrid PS4 um, as kind of a you know a, a, because you know it's not far off the power the original PS4 at least um, of the Switch. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what that what happens in that space. So yeah, that, I think that kind of wraps up the the podcast, the episode one of, uh, Game Ampersand Watch. So thank you very much for joining me today and all of your insights and opinions and histories. Um, so, uh, did you want to, did you want to call out where people can find you? Um, I'm not sure who's active on what social networks, um, if you have a Twitter handle or whatever, uh, Zach, I know you do.
2: Yes, I do. Uh, so you can find me on uh, my website gamificationgeek.com dot com.
0: Well done, thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> and I'm that's... not
1: very active on Twitter, but I am on Twitter. Um, mana potion, so like mana potion, but with a D. Oh, I see what right? you do that. Uh, Yeah.
3: <laughs> Lovely, I, just, I like yeah, that. Sorry, <laughs> <thank you. Cool. laughs> I'm a little bit of a, a social media hermit, I kind of just don't do it we'll find you um, in Minecraft so yeah, you'll, <laughs> you'll find me maybe on Steam, <laughs> just look up Gablocks, and I'll play some games with you and hopefully shoot you <laughs> it'll be great, lovely,
0: sounds good uh, and I'm Mitch McEwen on Twitter, um, so you can find me there or you can just search for our names and find our papers I'm sure yeah. as well so. yep. um, cool, well thanks uh, very much for listening and we'll catch you next time